Welcome to the Creative Empire Podcast. Each week, Raina Pomeroy, the life and biz success coach, and Christina Scalera, the attorney for creatives, are taking you up close and personal with successful influencers in the creative community and tackling your biggest business hurdles. Their mission is to help you, creative entrepreneurs, think beyond your daily biz so you can make the brave decisions that build your creative empire. Welcome back for another episode of the Creative Empire podcast. Raina and I are joined today by Cassandra Lay, and she is the curator and the content strategist and copywriter behind the Quirky Pineapple Studio, which is a virtual studio that provides copywriting, content creation, brand strategy, all that and more for the creative souls in the tourism and hospitality industry. She specializes in crafting words that help get your business seen online and in person. So after years of working in the tourism and hospitality industry, she now helps business owners who want to get noticed, who want to build communities of loyal clients, and who want to create content that connects with them. So when she's not chugging away on her laptop, she's usually exploring her new adopted city, Madrid. So this is pretty cool. We're excited to dig in about that. Traveling with her boyfriend or looking for the best street food or, in her words, gallivanting through cobblestone streets for the perfect Instagram shot. I think we can all relate to that. Welcome, Cassandra. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about how you got to Madrid. Like that's a big move for somebody to just pick up and decide to move to Madrid. I know. So it's, I feel like it's a long story because it started back in 2014. After I graduated from college, I decided that I did not want to do corporate America. And I applied for a program to teach English abroad in Spain. And I was here for two years teaching English until June 2016. I fell in love abroad and my boyfriend is from Spain. And after two years, I thought this sucks and I don't want to teach English anymore. And I also saw that all of my friends were moving up in the corporate ladder. They were buying cars. They were moving out. They had money for retirement. And I thought oh, that sounds nice. I want to try that. So I moved home back to Virginia, where I'm originally from, and got a full-time corporate job in a large environmental engineering company and worked there for a year and a half while my boyfriend and I were doing long distance. And then realized that corporate America is not my cup of tea. So I said, screw it. And I quit my job started my own online business for copywriting and content strategy. And then two weeks after I quit my job, I moved back to Spain and to Madrid, where my boyfriend and I currently reside. So that's kind of like the short version. But I've been here for about four months now that we're when we're recording this. I love that. So just to clarify, you were in your full time job, and you hadn't started Quirky Pineapple until you quit. Is that right? So it was actually, I started the Quirky Pineapple as a lifestyle and travel blog. So after I graduated from college, I thought, while I'm traveling and living abroad, I'm just going to talk about travel and share my adventures with other people. And then I started working with tourism and travel brands. And really, I have always wanted to be a full-time blogger since I was 13. And I've been blogging since 13, but nothing like too seriously. And yeah, so while I was working a full-time job, I was working on my lifestyle and travel blog 
well, I guess full time as well. So it was like half and half. I would come home from work at five and then immediately get started on creating content and reaching out to brands and pitching and all that stuff. And then wouldn't go to bed until like 11 after I finished all my work for my second quote unquote job, which was my blog. And then when I decided to move abroad, I wanted a way to directly help people because blogging is a lot of work and takes a lot of time. And I realized it wasn't going to be sustainable. So I switched it to an online business. Very cool. Yeah, I'm I'm just really excited because I feel like I've known you in the online space since you've had that blog. And so I was yeah. just curious about that shift. So tell us how I'm obviously your boyfriend is in Spain, I'm guessing, and you've been doing the long distance thing. And so that was probably taxing for you. I'm curious about how you finally made the decision and what did it look like to, you know, move across a big body of water and live in a different country? Oh my gosh. Okay. So I think it took the full year and a half for me to actually realize that I wanted to not work in corporate America and also move abroad. When I left Spain in June of 2016, I was kind of just annoyed with the country because I was living in a small town and I wasn't getting ahead with what I wanted to do, which was content creation and just really growing my blog and connecting with creatives. So I left and just thought, I hate Spain. I am never coming back. I'm going to America and I'm going to live, you know, the corporate America dream. And while I got my first full-time job, which was my first full-time corporate job with a salary and everybody was so excited for me, I started working. And after three months, I thought, yeah, this is like not what I want to do. This is not fun. I am not happy. So I just tried to look for other jobs. And I went on a lot of different interviews for different companies, other PR companies, marketing companies, because I was in consulting and engineering consulting was not something that I studied. I studied hospitality management. And when I was looking for other jobs, I just couldn't find anything. And nobody else hired me. And so I just thought, well, what if I just tried to become an entrepreneur? Because when I moved back home, I started connecting more with um, the Rising Tide Society and a lot more with the creative community in the Washington, D.C. area. And they are the people who kind of inspired me to just go for it. But it did take a long time. And there are still some days where I'm in my house abroad. And I think, what have I done? Yeah. Can you tell us like, what is it like working in, in the kind of work that you do now? So you're a copywriter, a content strategist, gave us a little bit of a background of like, what does that actually mean? Especially, I think people know what a copywriter is, but like, what is a content strategist? And what does that look like for you to work on that, that kind of stuff every day? So being a content strategist is probably one of my favorite things, because I have been blogging since I was 13, and kind of went through different platforms like Zynga, MySpace, Tumblr, Blogspot, now Blogger, and then onto WordPress. And then I even had like a Wix site. I have a Squarespace. I've been everywhere. And then I started getting into social media platforms and just trying to explore those realms. As a content strategist, what I really do is I help other people, specifically in the tourism and hospitality industry, come up with creative content based on their experiences that they offer already because tourism and hospitality is so customer service based, um, taking all of that and showing it to their online audience. 
and curating it so all of it connects and all of it has intention behind it and doing it in a way where we kind of plan out your entire content strategy for up to three months to six months and how to kind of build more brand recognition through the content that you put out. It seems like a lot, but I actually really love it because I love repurposing content and I feel like repurposing content is something that a lot of people don't know how to do yet or don't know how to do it correctly. All right. Tell us a little bit more about that. What do you mean? Like, what do you see versus what do you think is the right way? What I'm seeing is, well, I think now, especially because online businesses are becoming so popular and also because I was also a travel blogger, everybody just kind of starts putting out the same content. And, you know, we all want SEO ratings and like kind of clickbait stuff. And that's kind of what became popular for a while. And one of my clients that I've actually worked with, she was or is a travel blogger specifically about Iceland. And what I helped her do was create an entire strategy to something that incorporated her story and her message of why she loved Iceland so much and sprinkle that in through the rest of her content. So it's not just 10 things to know about, you know, traveling to Iceland, what to pack during the winter in Iceland, how to take northern light photos, all that stuff, but in a way that captures who you are as a brand and also the type of experience that you want your audience to have through the content that you create. Yeah, like give us an example of the kind of content that you would create instead of like the BuzzFeedy type 10 ways to do X or how to what. So what I would do is I would take your story and that's kind of like the message that you have behind your personal brand. And I think this is this goes for any personal brand because it's not just tourism and hospitality. Everybody has a reason for why they want to go into business and you know why they do what they do and what really brings them joy. And a lot of it is really to help people. But before that, it was because maybe for the person that I worked with, with the Iceland blog, she loved Iceland. She went to Iceland for her honeymoon fell in love with the country and then loved it so much that her husband and her found a way to live there on a visa and work there for two years. And through those two years, she just loved it even more. And we took that part of her story and the love and, you know, just everything that Iceland offered her, packaged it and then pushed it into her content. So it wasn't just, you know, 10 top things to do in Iceland. It was 10 top things because I experienced it and I loved it so much that I am just so excited to give it to you so you can experience something amazing because then you can love Iceland as much as I have. And when you do this, is there like a strategy behind it? Are you looking at Google Analytics before and after you take over a client's content? Like what is telling you that this is the quote unquote, like better way to do content? So I do go through a little bit of Google Analytics, and then I also work and see what has worked best that they've already posted. So I kind of audit a lot of their social media channels and their blog posts, and we kind of sit together and talk about what has worked already and also what their audience is asking for. So a lot of the time with this specific client, um, everybody was loving all the free information that she was giving already. But something that 
they were asking for was they wanted to know why she moved to Iceland, what brought her to Iceland, why Iceland and not any other country, because there are other European countries that Americans can move to a lot easily or easier. So we go through all of that. And it's really not just data, but I think a lot of people feedback. Does that make sense? What do you mean? Like people feedback, like comments or Facebook shares? Like what are you talking about? So a lot of comments, if you have a Facebook group, I would also go through your Facebook group and kind of go through and pull, well, not really pull, but kind of pull all the information that everybody is asking for, like their questions, then sending out a specific survey to your audience to see what they need the most help with and what they're interested in. And also the comments and the shares and what gets the most engagement. What are the most challenging things for content creators to understand about their brand? And what I guess, what are the mistakes that people make and what are the things that they need help with and support with? Mm, this is a good question. So I think content creators in general are just like people who are like myself, love creating content, but there are only so many hours in the day that you can sit down and actually create something. And creating content does take a long time, especially if you're, you know, recording videos, podcasting, or just writing. This is all based on like your energy and workflow and how well you have your processes set up. So one common mistake I see people have is they don't necessarily have an editorial calendar. And this is something that I talk about with a lot of clients, but also just a lot of people who ask for content creation tips is to create an editorial calendar, something that kind of follows what your message and what your brand is about, and also the types of categories that you provide and how you can best help people with your strengths and your experiences. I think that's like a huge one. And after that, it's creating templates for everything. Content creation doesn't need to be a new thing every single time. And I think the more we kind of create templates for all of the stuff that we want to create. It makes it easier for us as content creators, but it also makes it easier for your audience to recognize that this is actually your content and not just somebody else's content. And if you're consistently changing it all the time, like your graphics or, you know, the photos that you use, or even just throwing in a random opinion piece, but it doesn't connect somehow to your brand or your business, I think people get thrown off by that. And then you get thrown off by that because now you're kind of confusing yourself. Yeah. So I'm hearing a lot of like consistency stuff and making sure that you know what's coming up and how you message yourself. How do you deal? I mean, like I have an editorial calendar and I like a huge fan of creating content, but I also am a proponent of being able to do stuff in real time and creating kind of off the cuff sort of stuff. So how do you, I mean, what suggestions would you have for me, (laughs) I guess, about like how to navigate both of those things? Like having a content calendar that's already set and you know the plan and also kind of living life and being able to share on the on the fly? Oh, this is a great question, especially now that I am abroad. It's been like this weird learning and adapting that I have to get used to. But one thing that I always say is just because you have an editorial calendar doesn't technically mean that you always need to post what you have planned. For my editorial calendar, for example, I have my post planned out for the end of the year. 
And even then, if like opportunity or inspiration strikes, or I've just come back from a trip and I'm inspired by something that I saw or something that I ate, I will take that and just plug it into the next week because it's fresh, it's new, it could potentially give my audience something different. And it keeps my audience interested because if I'm posting about my trip on Instagram, maybe they're looking for the information about my trip on in my next blog post. But something that I always do recommend is that if you are going to do that, make sure that whatever you post about that is off the cuff kind of still relates back to your business somehow or to your brand and the values that you have. That would require knowing what your brand and your values are though. So is that like part of the content strategy? Yeah, that actually is through, well, it's more like copywriting, a little bit of both, I guess. It's kind of sitting down and understanding what your brand actually offers and what your message is. And if you don't know, that's okay. Because in the beginning, I don't think I knew. And even as I'm working through it now, I'm fine tuning it a little bit more and you know, making things more specific. But if I guess if you are starting off and you still don't know what your brand values are or your core values are, an exercise that I always go through just to kind of keep myself in check is one, listing things that kind of piss you off and <laughs> things that you don't believe in and that you wouldn't want to be known or wouldn't want associated with your brand. And then the other one is thinking about just the values and words or adjectives that you want associated with your brand. So for example, with the Quirky Pineapple Studio, I hate when people are not communicative, I think is the word, or are late with replies or things like that. That's something that I, like absolutely pisses me off. And within my own personal values, I think it's really important to be on time and just respect other people's time as well. And then for adjectives that I want associated with the Quirky Pineapple Studio, I've listed things down like warm, welcoming, inviting. And those are just like three, but you can always list out more. And I think that always really helps because it kind of gives you an idea of the type of content that you want to create and also the tone. And the tone is like a another topic. <laughs> I just want to jump in and, and talk about something that you already said that I think is so incredibly important. So mm -hmm. a lot of copywriters, you know, copywriting and just messaging and what you're talking about right now is part of branding. And a lot of people, when you say branding, they'll say, oh, I want a logo or I want graphic designer to help me with this. But what you're talking about, deciding what your core values are, what you represent, all of that stuff is part of that, right? And if you don't have those things, creating a brand is like creating a visual brand is pretty much null and void, which is why you see a lot of people who, you know, just create something and then have to recreate it, recreate it again, recreate it again year after year because they aren't quite settled and grounded, I guess, is, is the point that I'm trying to make. And I just love the, the quote, what somebody says about you when you're not in the room is what a brand is, right? Like if you think about it, what you exactly what you said, Cassandra, is that like you want people to feel a certain way, how, you know, when they come in contact with you or your company and you want them to feel like they're appreciated, they feel like they're, you know, you are warm and welcoming. Those are all part of your brand uh, values. Yes, definitely. I think 
just even if you are like starting from scratch or have never sat down to think about your core values or even like the tone of voice for your brand, which would be maybe similar to your tone of voice and how you talk to people or completely different. But it's just like, for me, I just listed out a lot of different adjectives in the beginning. And I kind of had to decide how I wanted people, like you said, Reina, to feel after they interact with me and how they feel when they leave my website or when they leave my Instagram posts or whenever they stop listening or watching me. And something for me was always being, you know, warm and welcoming and inviting because that is the Quirky Pineapple Studio. The pineapple is the universal symbol of hospitality. So that's kind of like the whole shebang. Love it. Love it so much. I want to shift gears a little bit because we haven't had somebody who is an expat in a different country talking about their company. And so I'm really excited to kind of ask more questions about that, if that's okay with you. Yeah. So I know that like moving across the you know country is one thing, which is what I did, but moving to a different country creates all kinds of other challenges and changes. Like what do you do about your visas? What do you do about taxes? How do you find a place to live? All of those things are things that people who might be curious about moving across the world are curious about. Can you tell us a little bit about the logistics again and like how you figured that out? I know in my, just in like thinking about the past couple of years and the clients that I've had, I've had people say, oh, you know what? I would love to spend six months in Paris and like, I would love to move to Greece or I would love to move to, you know, whatever. And you've actually done that. So I'd love to just switch gears and talk about that for a little bit. Yeah, of course. I am excited to share about this because a lot of people ask and I think that if you want to move abroad, even for like a short stint and just try it out, I say go for it because it's a great experience. It's a really hard experience. There are a lot of lonely days. But just to talk about like the logistics or visas, because that's a big one. Well, if you are from the United States, we have a, I think an agreement with the European Union or what is called the Schengen Zone. And I can give you all that those links later. But the Schengen Zone is basically a collection of countries within the European Union who have like an agreement with the United States where US citizens can stay in the Schengen Zone for up to three months, which is considered your tourist visa. And you can go in and out of each country for up to three months. And then basically after those three months are up, you have to leave and to kind of quote unquote reset your time. And I'm not too sure how long it is to reset your time, but I think it's about a month or another three months. And then you can come back into the Schengen zone. But I'm over here because my boyfriend is Spanish. So the Spanish government has a visa called, well, it's called Pareja de Hecho in Spanish. And in English, I'm not too sure what it would be considered. I think it, <laughs> the <laughs> little cool. translation, I think could be a civil union. And it basically allows me to stay in Europe on a Pareja de Hecho visa for up to five years. And then after five years, I have to renew again to become, I assume, a permanent resident. But the paperwork here is long. So you just have to be really patient. Another thing for like in invoicing and taxes and all of that, I am still waiting for my residency card and for all of my paperwork to kind of go through. It's like I said, it's a long process and Spain is a little bit slower when it comes to those things. But once I set all of that stuff up, I will apply for my business 
to be registered in Spain besides in the United States like it is now. Because it is registered in the United States now, I basically invoice like normal. So I invoice in dollars and I pay all of my taxes to the United States government. Once I basically register my business in Spain, if you are like an entrepreneur or sole proprietor, I think the equivalent would be called autónomo in Spanish. And that's basically to tell the government that you are a business. Once I do that, then I will be paying my taxes to Spain instead. And Spain and the United States, I know, have a tax agreement. So if you are paying taxes in Spain, which taxes in Spain are 21%, by the way, it's a little bit ridiculous, but you pay 21% taxes here and also the autonomo registration, which is 300 euros a month. And basically, because you're already paying taxes to one place, it's kind of like a pass. So you're not double taxed and also paying in the United States. So that's like just a little bit of the logistical stuff. Yeah. I mean, hashtag like adulting, (laughs) right? Like you have to figure all that out. In a different language. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. That sounds really, really difficult and challenging. But it seems to me like once you decide that this is something that is important to you and you want to do it, obviously there was ways to do it and opportunities for that to happen. So I think that, you know, for me, the biggest thing often when I'm making these big decisions is that like I give myself permission to like consider it and give myself permission to think about like, this happening. And okay, now that I've decided that it's a possibility, now what? And then like the logistics are so much easier after that, at least for me. So you said something right before we started talking about the logistics about the lonely days after you move. So tell me about what that was like and how you, I know you have cultivated a community. So tell us a little bit about that shift and what that's been like for you. Yeah. So it's actually been really different. Obviously, Spanish culture is not like the United States culture, and the entrepreneurship here is not like a big thing. Entrepreneurship in general and working from home is not a concept that most Spaniards understand. And actually, marketing or even like copywriting content strategy is kind of just starting to become popular, and people are just starting to realize that this is something that they should, you know, kind of invest in. But before I started the Quirky Pineapple Studio, the Quirky Pineapple Studio was just the Quirky Pineapple as a lifestyle and travel blog. And I found a really great international community through a lot of different groups on Facebook with other bloggers, also through Instagram. Instagram is my favorite way to make friends. And also just kind of using hashtags on Instagram and seeing who I can connect to in the local community. and not being afraid to just send them a DM and say, hey, I'm new here and would you like to meet up for coffee? Coffee culture is huge in Spain. Everybody loves it. You can sit and drink coffee for about two hours and people will not get bored. So that's kind of like a cool thing. And it's been good because I've been meeting a lot of different expats and Madrid is so international that I've met people from all over the world, like the US, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, other people from the European Union, other people from Southeast Asia. And everybody's here like working, moving, a lot of digital nomads, and a lot of people who are in online businesses. The only thing is, even though I have friends, there are still days where I feel really lonely. And I can't tell if it's from being an online business owner or being an expat 
or both because I work from home and I still go to a co-working space, but sometimes it's just not the same when you're telling a joke in English and your Spanish friends don't get the joke because the punchline is not the same in Spanish. Oh man, those language barriers, I tell you, it's it's difficult stuff. <laughs> so you've cultivated this community, you've met a bunch of people. It must have taken a lot of courage to do that. What what were the first days like as you got there? I know sometimes it can feel like, what did I make the right decision? But can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so actually I moved to Spain the day after Christmas or we left Christmas night and then we arrived in Madrid on December 26th. And when I arrived, I thought, heck yeah, I am in Madrid. I am back in Spain. Let's do this. Where are all my friends at? Let's hang out. And I did not realize that it was, well, I also forgot that it was during holiday season. So nobody was home and nobody was in the city because they were all back in their small hometowns visiting family. And the Spanish holiday season does not end at New Year's Day. It actually ends after the Three Kings Day. So like the three Magi, um, and that is after the first week of January. So for two weeks, also while my boyfriend went to work again, I just sat at home and didn't leave my house because of, I think, even though I have lived in Spain before, I had culture shock again, and I wasn't used to speaking Spanish. And I just thought, holy crap, what have I just done? I just dropped everything and moved abroad. And it was a lot of like sitting down and just recollecting my thoughts and trying to figure out and understand, you know, going back to why I decided to move, why I decided to start my own business and just say, telling myself really, it will be okay. It's only holiday season and people will come back to the city. So those were like my first two weeks. It was, it was not fun. And did it end up working okay after people got back from holiday? Yeah, after people got back from holiday, I just started reaching out a lot in uh, the local Facebook groups and just saying, hey, I'm new here. I am looking for people to just grab coffee with. Again, coffee culture is huge. Or people to just explore the city with, take photos, you know, gallivant through the cobblestone streets in, of Madrid and taking Instagram shots or somebody to have brunch with. And I've noticed that people, because this is such an international city, and there are so many people who work in digital marketing, everybody was so welcoming. They were like, yeah, here, go to this place. Have you tried this place? You should try this area. Um, We're not back in Madrid yet. But if you are into museums, there's this museum, it's free during this day. And everybody is just so helpful that I was taken aback because even though I wasn't technically meeting up with everybody, they all understood how hard it was to one, move abroad, and then two, work from home and feel extremely lonely. So they were just giving me all these recommendations for for filling my time and enjoying my new city. I love that. I remember maybe it was this week or maybe in the past couple of weeks, you mentioned that you were kind of on a social media hiatus. Mm -hmm. Is this still true? Yes, I am still on my Instagram social detox. Okay. So tell us a little bit about that. What, what made that come about and what's been, you know, what have you learned from that experience? So 
what I think what made it come about was uh, Mercury retrograde. I'm going to blame Mercury retrograde. And what happened was I think I got a little homesick and I didn't realize I was homesick. So I started scrolling Instagram and I started seeing all of my friends back at home, you know, hanging out, going out for brunch, doing bar crawls and just like living a normal life where they worked their nine to five, they had their set salary and then they got to do everything else during the weekend. And and then I saw all my other international friends who do travel more often and they were just quote unquote gallivanting through whatever country they were in next. And I just thought, oh, here I am still transitioning, still adjusting. It's been like three, four-ish months. I'm Some days feel good, some days feel bad. And I got into this really bad comparison game. So I don't know what happened, but after one week, I just felt really, really terrible. And I started noticing that I wasn't really even enjoying Instagram anymore. And I started feeling sad and kind of throwing myself a really long pity party. So I've just told myself it's time to take a break. So I have been off of Instagram for I think a month now or almost reaching a month. And it's been difficult because I used Instagram a lot to meet different people in Madrid. And now I don't have Instagram. So I'm trying to find different ways of meeting people. So I'm going to a lot more on in-person networking events, using the Facebook groups a little bit more, and also trying to find people through LinkedIn. I don't know if there are a lot of people in like, on LinkedIn in Madrid, but I'm trying. <laughs> I think it makes you more resourceful. And I think that that's a really cool way to, you know, just shut down the the comparison stuff that was happening. I think it's really brave of you. I, you know, just when we interviewed Shanna about her hiatus and just talking about her being off of social for like a year, it just felt like really terrifying for me. And I have, I, feel like I would have a lot of FOMO because like you, I love developing my relationships through social media. And so it feels kind of weird to be able to like do that, I guess, and have permission to do that. But it seems like you're thriving and things might be, you know, looking up and you're actually meeting people in person. And so I feel like there might be some positive consequences to, you know, turning the the social down a little bit. And what have you learned from this whole experience, not just from the Instagram hiatus um, and detox, but like from moving just about yourself and anything that you've learned from moving, I guess? Oh, gosh, there has been a lot. I did not realize that I would learn this much. I thought I prepared myself mentally and emotionally for moving back and starting a business and I was excited to work from home. And then when I got here, all of that, I think went out the window. Um, the biggest thing that I've probably learned so far is to really be patient. I'm still transitioning. I've only been here for four months and I've only been really full time in my business for four months. And it's been going really, really well. And I feel really lucky to have clients and be able to do this and move abroad and, you know, start my own business. But I think just being patient and letting things kind of work themselves out on their own time, besides trying to push stuff and, you know, rush things. Well, I mean, 
I don't think I could have said it better myself as far as not pushing things and not rushing things. Even taking that brave step of stepping off of what isn't serving you right now, that can be really, really difficult to do. And if you guys want to hear all about Shanna's story, which sounds kind of similar, Shanna really made like a declaration and and kind of turned it into a research experiment for herself. That was episode 166 of the Creative Empire podcast. So we'll have that in the show notes. Or you can go back to 166 and find out how Shanna stayed off social media for eight whole months and still runs a, I mean, y'all, I can't tell you how much money she makes because she would be mad at me, but it is amazing. So anyway... Back to Cassandra, I wanted to just ask you, Cassandra, one last thing. If you were looking ahead into the future of this creative empire, where are you living? Like, what are you doing? What do you see? What are you excited about? Ooh, this is exciting because my boyfriend and I have talked about this a lot. I don't actually see myself in Madrid for too long. And we actually don't see ourselves in Madrid for too long. Now that I'm here, we definitely want to create a base for ourselves and a foundation, something to kind of grow on. But I think it, our plan is in two and a half to three years, we will have an RV, kind of like you, Christina, and basically be traveling all throughout Europe and then maybe, maybe moving back to the United States or to our next destination. But the great thing is that the Quirky Pineapple Studio is online, so I can take it wherever I need to go. And now that we have all the visa processes set up, it'll be a little bit easier for me to do that. I love it. I love that so much. And like the fact that you have this vision for your your partner and yourself, that's so fun. All right. So where can people find you and connect with you? And, you know, maybe if they're listening from Madrid, because I know we have people in Spain, where can they, you know, reach out to you? Oh my gosh. If you are in Spain and from the Creative Empire podcast, please send me an email or a Facebook message or something. I would love to go get coffee. I really do love meeting people in Spanish or in English. But if you are not in Spain and want to connect, you can find me at my website, which is thequirkypineapple.com. And on Facebook, it's the same thing. And then on Instagram, I'm still off of it. But if you want to take a look and see what I've been up to and all of the vacations and random trips that we've taken, it is at TQ Pineapple. Awesome. Cassandra, thank you so much for joining us and sharing about your expat life and living abroad and about content. I know everyone listening who is inspired to maybe travel a little bit more can start making some plans and go build your creative empire. Are you ready to build your own empire? For more information, show notes, downloads, and tips on how to do it, head to www.creativeempire.co where you can find out more about this week's episode and the two lovely ladies behind it all, encouraging you to build your own creative empire. If you enjoyed this week's show, it would mean so much to Raina and Christina if you could take two minutes to go to iTunes and leave a review. It's a little thing that makes a big difference for the show. 